You are listening to the Enormo Cast. A couple years ago, Black Diamond introduced the Ultralight Camelot, the baddest cam the world has ever seen. And frankly, you'd think they'd drop the mic right there. But like the over-caffeinated squirrels they are, the climbing nerds at BD went back and redesigned the old Camelots to introduce the new C4 to your quiver. They made the C4 lighter, broadened the trigger for chubby knuckles, and the Big Daddy sport a snazzy trigger keeper for smooth racking and deployment when the going gets wide. And then, probably after the 12th espresso, they did some little tweaks that only core climbers would notice when desperately run out and skittering like trapped weasels. You know the feeling. The emergency disrupt system is now So avoid the quaking and the beaded brow sweat by checking out the new C4s at blackdiamondequipment.com or better yet, get them under your own chubby knuckles at a gear shop near you. Does your neck hurt playing someone else's project? Does your partner get in way over his head even on the warm-ups? Does the phrase, I'll just do this move one more time, make your eyeballs spin? Then let Belay Specs fight for you. When my boyfriend started falling lower and lower on his project, Belay Specs saved my neck and got me a new boyfriend. Belayer neck pain, also known as BNP, can interfere with work, play, family, and snapping your head around at the gym to check out those abs. So if your neck has been injured in an epic belay session, go to belayspecs.com to see if you qualify for a pair of belay specs and to get what you deserve. Entry Normacast at checkout for a discount. Belay specs is not licensed to give legal advice to anyone. Results may vary by steepness. If belay specs cause you to trip, fall down, run into a door, nausea, dry mouth, you're probably too high to climb to begin with. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing at? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, yeah, it's big place. That's, out. That's a nice. big place. You sold it out. I'll say it's really good. What the hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the EnormaCast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. It is April 12th, 2019, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which is weird. And this is episode 173 of the EnormaCast, the return of Craig DiMartino. That's right. Craig DiMartino from legendary episode 11, 2012, I believe, has come crawling back crawling back to the EnormaCast. No, actually, Craig and I have been talking about doing this for quite some time and catching up and seeing how the last five or six years have been going for him and what's new. So we finally got an opportunity when he was here in the Roaring Fork Valley and we got down in the van and got it done. So welcome back to Craig D. Martino. And if you haven't heard episode 11, 
probably still one of the best. Go back and check that out because then you'll know why we're talking to Craig again. And I want to reach out and thank everybody who responded so positively to the Mark Twite episodes. Those were a long time in the making, and I think we got something done that the Enormacast is sort of uniquely prepared to do. And there's a lot of good climbing content out there in the podcast world, Uh, but everybody has their niche, and I think we kind of nailed ours sitting down with Mark on those last two episodes. So thanks again. A lot of folks have reached out to say that they really enjoyed it and that they felt it was as Enormacasty as it gets. I guess that's for better or worse. (laughs) Okay, not much business to report. Not too much happening. It's spring climbing season, which is so nice, although it snowed last night here in Carbondale again. Uh, But we're hanging out. We're waiting to get the solid, solid days going. So I will take this moment to remind you that you can, in fact, support the Enormacast a bunch of different ways. Of course, heading over and shopping at our sponsors and letting them know that you appreciate their support for this thing. Also, you can go to enormacast.com. You can click on the Help Out tab and do a bunch of different things including donate to the podcast if you're feeling a little bit generous and you feel like you've derived something important and positive from this thing over the last few months or years. And also, over there at the Enormacast, there's a shop with some t-shirts and some hats. Pretty cool hats from Peter Gilroy, one of the longtime supporters of the podcast, and some shirts that a bunch of friends kicked in to help make, including Tracy Wilson, who's been on the show. Her her family shop up in up in Idaho prints those t-shirts for me. So check those out over at the shop. And finally, last thing, if you want a free sticker, of course, you can send an address to chris at enormacast.com. Love having those stickers out there. I hear about people spotting them in unlikely places, which is pretty cool. Okay. Thank you for helping me shore up the economics of this whole thing. All right. On to Craig DiMartino. Craig and I met up here in Carbondale. He was up in Aspen doing some work with some veterans and came down and we sat in the van and got this one done. It was great to catch up. If you do not know Craig's story, of course, it's laid out there in episode 11. But uh, if you want to just forge ahead, you know, a quick rundown is that in 2002, I believe, Craig took a 100-foot fall off of a climb on Lumpy Ridge in Rocky Mountain National Park hit the ground, a victim of an unfortunately somewhat common mistake of miscommunication between the belayer and him about lowering versus repelling. In fact, it was after this episode that I got on my little hobby horse about that, which you may have heard me before. Nevertheless, should have died Craig D. Martino when he hit the ground from 100 feet. Not a lot of people survived that. He did, but in the subsequent months and year and a half, he lost one of his legs. And his story goes on from there of coming back to climbing, keeping this family together, getting through the pain, the surgeries, the misery, the depression. So yeah, that's why we catch up with Craig here, because the recovery is really ongoing. And we'll learn about how he deals with even the ongoing pain and things like that in this episode, as well as how he's reaching out to the adaptive community, trying to help some people through the similar path of pain and realization that life is going to be quite different after a severe injury like that. Yeah, and like a bunch of these enormacasts, one of the fringe benefits has been that I have become friends with Craig over the years after we did that together, 
and it had such an impact. We ended up talking a lot about it and got to know him a lot better. I got to know his wife, Cindy, uh, met the kids who have grown up a lot since that first episode. So it was fun for me to catch up with Craig and find out what he's been up to, and I hope that you guys enjoy it too. So I've been laying on the TC Pro from Sportiva for the last few months, like that annoying guy at the gym who's still trying to convince you that trad climbing is the coolest thing you can do on a rope. Spoiler alert, it is actually. It is still the coolest thing. But what if you're like, Chris, I don't climb slabs like some muscle-bound bonobo. I'm more like a gazelle. You know, if a gazelle had opposable thumbs and a moderately popular Instagram feed. Well then, my little bovidae, Look no further than the Futura from Sportiva. Refined by the world's best climbers, the Futura excels in steep precision footwork, and the no-edge technology gives them unparalleled sensitivity, just like you. So if you want to go from prey to predator on those steep sport climbs and boulders, check out a pair of Futuras at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and get started. How long has it been? Oh man! Um, I mean, you were uh, you were episode eleven. Yeah, so that's like that nineteen thirty-seven. Like, yeah, it would have been. <laughs> it feels like <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah, it was like oh six. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Stop! Damn it! Not even close, my friend. Oh, I'm gonna have t- to edit that out because t- t- it makes you sound old. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought because I swore. No. Um, you're allowed to swear, remember? I am. So, uh, it was actually 2012. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Because, uh, it was probably the year after I started and I started it in December of 2011. So it would have happened. I think I would have oh, talked yeah. to you the four months later at five point and yeah. then put it out some point during that summer. And, and it's funny. So that was 2012. That's a lot. That's, I mean, that's a long time. Right. And I, and like I've said to you many times, like I get people, it's not once a week, but it's probably twice a month. Right. Will contact me and say, oh my God, I just listened to that episode. Holy, it changed my perspective. It's like, holy crap. That's an, it, because the story's so weird, you mm-hmm. know, it's so crazy. It still seems to have like this shelf life of its own, which is, which is really amazing to me. Well, it's, you look, you got to give yourself some credit. Because you tell, I mean, it's a vivid, very uh, dynamic account of what happened. Because I remember not knowing too much about you. Yeah. Other than, you know, obviously you had lost your leg. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's obvious. And then, but then, yeah, just, I remember sitting there like, kind of feeling the way I felt when I watched Free Solo, to be honest (laughs) with you, where I... You know, obviously I knew that Slightly nauseous. Well, yeah, slightly nauseous, sweaty palms. I know that you're okay because you're sitting there in front of me. So it's not a spoiler to know that you didn't die when you fell. Right. But everything else about it was just astounding. And like, so, you know, give yourself some credit. And and I was so new to podcasting. I I don't think I can give myself much credit because I totally just remember being there sort of dumbfounded. (laughs) I haven't listened to it in a while, but I'm sure I just like babbled a couple transitions. No, no, no. About it, but I remember a lot of powerful stuff. There was, there was obviously the description of you falling, um, yep. which is a visceral thing for climbers. Yep. And it's, it's the worst nightmare. Yeah. And it's also an accident, you know, that continues to happen. 
Oh God. Yeah. All and the it's, time. you know, it's something it's since that episode and, and just, it's become a little bit of a like hobby horse of the, of the Normacast to talk about like communication in that situation and repelling versus being lowered and all that sort of stuff. We, we, we hammered all the time along with the check your knot thing, but then, but then, you know, there was some other, I remember the moment of you climbing again was really powerful and yeah. wild iris, Yeah, you know? And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it just, the, there was a lot of pieces and parts to it. To me, it was a big inspiration. I mean, you're probably part of the reason I'm still doing this Ooh. is well, because, you know, it was like floundering around. There's some good episodes in the first 10. There's, you know, it's a lot of like variety and kind of figuring it out. And then like that one, I mean, honestly, it's still one of the best and I'm on like, this will come out as like in the 170 some, this will be yeah, like you... 73 or 74 yeah, or something that's... like that. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is really weird. Holy <laughs> crap, dude. That's a lot. I know. Oh, I know. Isn't it? Damn it's like, it. I can't even believe. I didn't know there were 170 climbers. I know. Well, that was a big thing when, it, when this, when I started it, people were like, you're going to run out of people to talk to like no really way, quick. Never. Well, part of the thing too, in the realization of what happened in that episode. And I mean, we're, we're referencing, this is going to be a whole new episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, you know, this, this will stand alone, but it's worth your time to go back and listen to it. But, um, you know, that actually was a big part of convincing me that, yeah, this has got, we can go all these different places because I didn't right. know who you were right. until you came to five point. Right. And you were on the bill and, and Julie or somebody was like, Oh, you have to talk to Craig. And then I looked you up and I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. This will be amazing. Or this will be a really cool. angle." Right. Right. But that just reminded or just made me realize like, yeah, I don't have to talk to famous climbers. I mean, you're, you're famous now in a sense. <laughs> um, I mean, you're I well sn- known. I snorted. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be on there. Um, uh, yeah, but you know, it's not like you're, you're the Andres or the Honolds. Right, the right, right, right. So anyway, but that was all part of, part of the thing. And, and we've been talking about trying to get you back on because of the resonance that this one had Correct. or the first one had, um, for a while, actually for a couple of years. Yeah. 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 We keep so, bouncing around. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. No, it's hard to, I mean, the face to face thing is just a nightmare that I created for myself. <laughs> I know the technology wasn't as good. That's then. true. Now it's, you could do it now. Now it's pretty good. You could if, do it now if, if you know what you're doing, but, um, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to talk to someone. Well, and I think a lot of the value of this particular vehicle, whatever you want to call it, I, I, is the back and forth. Cause I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. It's like, I like that. Um, if I'm looking at a computer, it's, I'm probably not that I'm not as genuine, but you're talking to a computer. Right. Of a it's person. still a thing. And the other thing I found that I feel like works a lot of times is that we did have to like, we had to make this happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we're sort of coincidentally, you, you're actually in Carbondale. We're in your, in Craig's van. Um, so this is old school kind of very old style. School. And we're actually parked in the same exact place that I, I, uh, interviewed Conrad anchor, which, uh, which makes me feel really important. And it, and, and it fix, makes your skin feel, it does. <laughs> I feel silky smooth right now. Thank you, Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reason I bring that up is because that was one where, where Conrad, and I think I talked about it on the episode where he made it happen. Like yeah. he, it was important to him 
to come over here and be on the enormous cast and do the face-to-face thing. Oh, that's and he, cool. Yeah, he was in Vail, and he's like, I'm coming over. I can come over tomorrow. I'll come to your house. Oh, Let's that's do really it. cool. Yeah, so, um, and we happened to come up here on the RV, but um, anyhow, so th- that's a part of the face-to-face thing that I is a little bit of a um, bonus to it that I feel like, you know, you go through the trouble, you, you find each other, you sit down, then it's like, all right, well, let's get something done, you know? Right. It's not like, right. oh, I got this this thing at seven that I'm going to talk to this guy that I don't <laughs> Yeah, and I don't yeah. give a crap. Yeah, yeah but blah, 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 it's yeah. what I, you know, I do for my sponsors right. or whatever. Right, so, right, 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 right. This is different. Yeah, this is totally different. So let's talk about, um, you know, when we left off. <laughs> In our last episode. In our last episode, <laughs> seven years ago. Bobby Brady was, yeah. yeah. Um. You were still calling yourself a photographer, if I if I remember. Yeah, right. I was. Yeah, I was. And you know, getting back, you were you were climbing again, not full force, I don't think. Mm, nope. And you had a couple young kids who yeah. are now not young anymore. Nope. And um, you hadn't really started working sort of in the adaptive field as uh, you know, as sort of a coach or inspiration or any of that stuff. Um. So, you know, if we can kind of go back to that place, um, and, and I guess sort of pick up there, um, well, actually the question I have is that you were starting to get into it. Let's talk about the adaptive thing to begin with yeah, and maybe how your, your sort of message and your outlook on that has evolved a little bit, you know, from inspiration to coach or, you know, what is your, what is your connection to, you know, making your life around, um, you know, being this coach or this whatever person, this person in the adaptive sports field. Well, I, I came back from Yosemite. I, came, I went back out to the Valley with, with Jerem Fry and Pete Davis. And we, we did Zodiac and that was, that ended up being Gimp Monkeys, which was after that film that where we met in five points. Cause five point was about, kind of failing in Yosemite. Right. And so then I was like, okay, I got this kind of thing I really want to get done. So we went back, we were successful on Zodiac. I come back to Colorado and Timmy O'Neill hits me up and says, you should come to uh, Boulder Canyon with me on Saturday. I have some vets I'm going to go climbing with. They're missing their legs or arms or whatever. And you should just talk to them about what it's like to be an adaptive climber. And and I was completely against it. I was, I had no desire. I was t- the typical, I think, self-centered climber, like just doing, this is what I want to do. I don't really want to, I don't really have time or the desire to, to help somebody else in particular. But Timmy being Timmy, very, very persuasive guy. And he talked me into it. And I went down to Boulder Canyon, Saturday morning, eight o'clock, whatever. We take these guys out. I think there were six of them all in various degrees of disability, some missing legs, some missing like parts of legs, um, all with really heavy PTSD. We go into Boulder Canyon, we start climbing and it was the funniest, most inspirational, off-putting, just weird day I've ever had climbing. And I was like, oh, I want to do this more. This is, this is fantastic. And so that just kind of turned my head into, oh, maybe this is something that I could do and use what I've learned in climbing and then adaptive climbing after my accident to, to help somebody else bridge that gap. So like whatever their new normal is, you know, like if they're missing, whatever they're missing, what their life can be like. And so, cause I had some success in that arena. I had success with climbing, 
Cindy and I were still married, are still married, happily married. Um, so I had some like what I felt like were some wisdom nuggets I could drop on them and say, Hey, this is, this is kind of how I do things. And maybe you can pick pieces of that up and use it in your own life. And that was then that morphed into just being this person in the adaptive world. And I think that's what I am now is just, uh, I introduce people to climbing. Um, I take them climbing. I show them how I climb and, and hopefully make them into climbers. You know, when you said, when you started this, you were like, well, I wasn't, I was kind of this self-centered climber and wasn't interested in helping other people. I mean, it made me think that like, yeah, because you had still, I mean, you'd gone through this incredibly life-changing and traumatic event. And I would guess that that would make you feel, you know, like, oh, look, I got my own, my own stuff to deal with. Exactly. I'm still dealing with it. Like, I don't have... You know, I'm the one who needs the inspiration. I mean, I need help. Yeah, I'm the guy yeah, who yeah, needs yeah. to be coached out there. Right. So it was, you know, the and transition from the two probably was sort of empowering to think that, well, okay, now maybe I'm not the guy that needs help as much as this guy here, this Billy. guy here, this guy and here. Th- and that's what I tell people now is like, I can, you know, people will look at me and they'll, they'll, they'll know about the accident and they'll know all the injuries I have. And they'll say, God, it's really, I can't believe you're able to do anything. And I always tell them, man, I can find people worse than me. And he, give me five minutes and I'll find someone worse than me. Um, right. It's just, there's always somebody worse. And so I, that is what I think I saw that day was, it was, it gave me perspective like, oh man, there's some messed up people. And maybe I should be, you know, am I going to be able to like help them quote unquote, maybe, maybe not, but like at least give them perspective, maybe like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like this is, this sucks and I get it. And you're missing your leg or you're your back is broken, your neck's broken. And so usually they'll have like pieces of the injuries I have. And so you you can give them perspective. And that's what I got that day. And that was, that was powerful. And that, that climbing was that vehicle that I could give back to them. You know, this climbing thing is such, I mean, there's two things that, that, that like, I guess in a way, at least define your public persona. It's that you're missing a leg and that you're a climber. Right. Right. Have you ever been like, I think a lot of climbers after a long time woken up and just been like, maybe I'm just, can I just stop doing this now? Or like, you know, have you ever thought about like, oh, I should move on from this or like, I mean, where does climbing fit in your life as far as inspiring your own, you know, you're here coaching these people, you're inspiring them, you're trying to get them to have this perspective. What about your perspective? That's you know. an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting question. And I, I was talking to Cindy about it when, when all you do is climbing, you get burned out. There are points in my life now where I'm just like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to talk about climbing. I don't want to think about climbing. I want to think about something else, um, and do something else. And I think that's pretty natural. Um, I don't ever feel like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to do that anymore mm-hmm. because I, I genuinely still love to climb. I mean, I think it's one of the funnest things I've ever done. Um, but like when I go into a climbing gym, like, cause I work in a lot of climbing gyms, I'm not always like, woohoo, you know, this is the best day of my life. It's like, you know, you sometimes you feel like you're grinding it out. And so that I I can put that on the back burner and, and I can, you know, go in and do what I'm, what I'm there to do. But like you, it does affect your psych then. Like it's harder to get like up for going out when it's, you know, questionable weather or you know like it's tomorrow, like, exactly it's supposed to snow tomorrow and i'm supposed to work outside but you're and you're like oh rock god climbing. rock climbing, climbing. Yeah. exactly so it's like that is a bit of a 
a weird thing. Cause like when I was younger, I was like, Oh, I want to be a sponsored climber and just climb. And, and like you and I have spoken many times, like that's just not the way the world, I mean, sponsored climber that just it means so many different things now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it, it affects your psyche. You took um, a weird path. To, to really weird path. Yeah, oh maybe. God, dude, I right. jumped off a cliff so I could <laughs> right. get sponsored. Right. Um, there's a lot easier ways to do right. it. Uh, not suggested. Uh, don't do that. Um, I just feel like, yeah, when it's, when it's the only thing that you're doing, it is, it is, it gets old. And, and I feel like that when I talk with climbers who have climbed as long as I have, like, you know, you and like, there, well, there's not that many, first of all, I mean, <laughs> God, right. like 30 plus years is like, there's, that's a pretty small pool. But I mean, I think everyone goes through phases of like not digging it and doing something else for a while and coming back to it or, or just throttling it back a little bit. Right. I'll do that. I'll kind of change disciplines and throttle back a little bit and mm -hmm. then, then I'm psyched again. Well, the reason I asked that too is because, you know, I just talked to Quinn Brett and, and put that episode out, uh, uh, I think a couple months ago at this point. And, you know, the, the idea that we as hardcore climbers and, you know, you are, I am, Quinn is still in a lot of ways. Yep. You know, it's not just your, um, what you do. It's like your whole it's who you are. group of people and your yeah. friends. And, you know, yeah. even Mark Twight talked about that. He hasn't climbed since 2000, but a big part of him is still a climber. And so with Quinn, it's, you know, it was definitely something we talked about of, of, well, you know, how, how is it that you redefine a community when, when you've lost this connection to this thing that was such a big part of your life? And, um, but with you, you know, you, you didn't lose it, but you were, you were at risk of losing it. I think you probably felt. Yeah. And it comes different. It comes very, very different. And mm -hmm. so like Quinn is a great example of like, she, you know, she's not able to go back to climbing the way she was. Like I can climb in kind of the form I was before, right. uh, obviously different, but like for Quinn, it's like a complete reinvention of, right. of this person. And so that is, that is really hard. I mean, I, and I work with her periodically and I love her and, and, and I see the struggles that she has and it's like, man, it's, that's rough. Like, I don't know if I'd be a climber after that. If I, if I became paralyzed tomorrow, I don't know if I'd be a climber. Right. It's because right. it's not, it's different. It's not yeah, the same game. It's, it's definitely, uh, uh, especially, you know, to be as good as she was. Yeah, exactly. Right? And to be as prolific as she was. Um, I have a question along those lines for you too is, um, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, I had um, Jamie Logan on and, uh, you know, talking about transitioning genders. Yeah. And her transition was fairly smooth. And so her perspective on it is, is a certain way. And I've heard from people who not really a backlash, but just were kind of like, you know, that sounded really great for her, but it hasn't been like that for me. Oh, and it felt like maybe because of her situation, you know, she sort of glossed over some of the difficulties and some of the, of the, because it went well. Yeah, because it went well and she lived in Boulder and, uh, you know, and, and so some people in different parts of the country <laughs> that aren't, yeah, you know, quite as, as progressive well, as or welcoming. Yeah. Or accepting of that kind of thing, you know? So do you ever feel like that? Because everybody wants to say, okay, there's this disabled climber thing. And yet, like you said, when you talk, when you went to, 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 to these military guys, it was, it was a whole breadth of, of different things worse case than 
then what happened to you? And, right. and, and, you know, you're very much, you're very capable. What you went through came out, I think overall, like really well, considering, I mean, death was the more <laughs> right, right. like that. What should have happened. But I mean, do people ever be like, well, yeah, it's easy for you. Cause you have a leg. I mean, like Quinn, you know, she's right. paralyzed the waist down. Like, is anybody ever just like, yeah, uh, like, or, or do you have to work through that with people to be I, like, man, I, that's, so I think the biggest, uh, misconception of me mm-hmm. is that people will go, well, he, it turned out really great for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of fucked up because it's like m- most people barring my wife don't know like the things you have to do on a daily basis. So, right. you know, like, because I broke my back and neck so bad, you know, I have spinal cord injuries. That, yeah. I that, forgot all about that. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Like, so, and so people <laughs> and will you be, told me all about yeah, it. In that see? And, and so I totally forgot. And you're like, like God, you that happened. Like, that's right. Damn it. Um, you know, so people will say things to me like almost like that, like, well, you know, you have your one leg and they make this prosthetic for you and it's, and you can climb whatever route you want to climb within reason. And, and it's like the, the things that I have to deal with, um, on a daily basis that the people don't know about and and they shouldn't know about it. It's not their, their deal, but like they'll, they'll kind of downplay that and, and say, well, you know, he's, he's, been successful because he he recovered so well well i mean i recovered as well as you can but like shoot last year i i got a staph infection because i wiped out in a shower i was on crutches for eight months um still yeah right so like my body is so messed up in so many different ways um you know i take i take pills three times a day to kind of keep things in in check um there's all these things that i have to do to to make me not make me, but allow me to do what I want to do. Um, and that's what people don't see. Um, they don't see the pocket full of pills I carry around. They don't see the mornings when I get up and I can barely move. And, and, you know, that's, um, that's, you know, that's the private life that happens with me and Cindy and and our kids. But like, you know, when they see me out climbing, they're like, Oh God, he seems fine. Like, why does he even have a handicap tag? Like, that's not, that's not cool. <laughs> right. But it's like, dude, it's like this body's a freaking train wreck most right, days. So right. it's, yeah, it is, it is weird because they like Quinn, like Quinn has never said this, but like where she doesn't have the use of her legs, you know, she's right. probably never going to have that. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot harder. And, right. and I recognize that. Um, but it, it we all, like she says, you know, we're all snowflakes and we're all, everybody's different. And so you're dealing with what you're dealing with. I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. And that's part of the, the, the humanness of it all. So when you're working with folks, you know, that are in the depths of learning to deal with what's new. Depths is a good word. And, uh, I mean, are you revealing that kind of intimate detail with these people within reason, yeah. within reason. If right. I think a person, if I think a person really needs to hear like, okay, this is, if you want, like, I'm never going to tell someone that the whole truth about, about my life and my right. body, that's just not going to happen. Well, you just did. I did <laughs> just <to> millions of viewers. <laughs> or millions listeners, is millions. a little bit of an exaggeration. Come on. But, um, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think I'll tell them pieces of it and right. say, you know, yeah, you know, you're, you, you've got X, Y, Z. I have X, Y, Z. And so I'm here to tell you that, that, yeah, that just becomes a part of something you have to deal with. And, uh, you know, people don't want to talk about, you know, chronic pain. People don't want to talk about depression. They don't want to talk about, 
you know, cause they'll talk to me and they're like, well, you don't seem like you get down ever. And I'm like, well, that's because you don't live with me. So if you lived with me, you, you'd know that there's days where I'm not psyched. I mean, I don't run out the door every day and go, yeah. Um, I, a lot of days I love, you know, everything that's happening, but you know, I mean, nobody does. Right. Nobody, nobody gets right. out of bed every day and goes, woohoo. Mm-hmm. Um, that just doesn't happen. So it, again, it goes back to perspective. It's like, what do you, uh, what are you dealing with and how do you deal with it? It's, I mean, I'm a big, big proponent of like that choice that we make. Um, cause we do, you do get to choose that one. Um, what am I going to, how am I going to handle this particular thing? Was that something that you dealt with? Do you think? Yeah. Was it definable as that PTSD? So I don't know. So at the time, I don't think I would have said it was PTSD. I think I would have just said, because I got so wrecked, I, every time I looked at climbing, it would rattle me, but that's PTSD. So like you, you can't control the emotion and you just don't know what's triggering it. And then once you identify the trigger, they're like, okay, well then that's PTSD and we avoid that trigger. So for me, when I came back to climbing, it was almost like I would have these anxiety attacks really bad, like at the cliff. And so some days I would literally not even be able to climb. I would just be like, no, I'm going to lose my mind. And so just through, I think like doing it over a little at a time over Mm -hmm. and over and over, that was how I dealt with it. Um, and I had this strong desire to do it again. So I think sometimes like PTSD, they're not, wanting to repeat the thing that actually gave them the PTSD. Right. Whereas I actually wanted to repeat the thing that gave it to me. So that's kind of weird. And I think that's what actually ended up helping me deal with it. Right. Um, in a weird roundabout way was like this thing almost killed me, scares the crap out of me, but is actually still really appealing to me. And so it's almost like a bad marriage, you know, Right. I got hit, but like, oh, I still want to go back. And right. I but don't those guys person. talk about combat that way too? They do, but it's like, they don't, they don't want to repeat it. Right. They don't want to like, like when I talk to them about their PTSD, they'll say, yeah, this dude shot at me. I had to kill him. I live with that every day. I don't want to do that again. Right. I'm actually trying to get away from it. Right. Whereas me, I was like running towards it. They're running mm-hmm. away from it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're running away from it, it's actually, I think, a bit harder to come to grips with it because you are, it's always in your rear view, but right. you're not really ever dealing with it. And so. But killing people isn't something you can embrace and nope. overcome the way you can climbing. Exactly. And so. so they're dealing with these circumstances and even like their injuries, like if they roll over like an IED and they get blown up, well, that traumatic event is now shaping the rest of their life mm-hmm. and they're having to deal with like the loss from the injury, the loss of like what their life is going to be like. And then their loss of like their manhood, because that's like always pulled into question as well. Um, and they're just, you know, the military guys, I have this mentality of like, when you're broken, you're not that performing soldier. Right. You become sort of useless. Yeah, exactly. Like they they kick you out. You're not in the military anymore. And so for me, climbing, you know, never did that to me. Climbing was very accepting when I came back to it. The people were super supportive. These guys have support, but not, not in every arena. And right. then, and the arena that was the most important for them, which was the military, is the military. Um, they kind of lost that. And so when I see these guys like at these clinics, they're, they're in a group of, of like-minded individuals and that's really empowering to them. And so I get to see that happen. But man, when I see them like, when they come back, like from Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever they were, 
they're sorting all this out. They're like, they're not in the military anymore. They're not technically like this hardcore soldier guy anymore. Um, and that messes with your head quite mm-hmm. a bit. So mm-hmm. they're dealing with lots of different triggers, um, lots of different influences that, that they can, can be good or bad. And I think that's why there's substance abuse. There's, you know, all this weird stuff that happens. Um, and they're, they're trying to navigate that with a broken body as well. Let's uh, move on to this uh, movie that's out. Um, that's how long has this move, this film Craig's reaction been out? It's been out about, uh, four months. Okay. So you've made a few films over the years. What do you think is, uh, is different about this one? So the, the difference here was, uh, Evolve kind of came up with this idea. Like we, you know, you got hurt and that's, that's interesting and and important, but like, we want to know what happened after. Like everybody knows that that happened, but what, what do you do now? And so they were really open to like, what is the adaptive world? Like number one, cause that's half your life. And then the other half of your life is, is my own climbing, my own selfish pursuit of climbing, which I I still love to do. And so they introduced me to Cameron Mayer, um, who I didn't know at all. And Cam and I, you know, at first I was like, man, this guy's going to like literally live with us for the next eight to nine months. And, and that's what happened. He kind of came to us. He came on all our family trips. He went on all our climbing trips. <laughs> Dude, he came to Thanksgiving. Oh, I right mean, on. and Cameron, and he is one of the greatest people I've ever met. He's incredibly talented. And this is Bear Cam Bear Media. Cam Media. Right. Yeah. So if you, ha- if you don't know Bear Cam, go check him out. Um, so Bear Cam Media, he lived with us for eight or nine months. And then just, we worked on the storyline together a bit. Um, Cam had a vision of like, this is how it should go. And we, Cam kind of came up in, in the film, there's, um, this cut paper drawings of the accident. So we talked along, long and hard conversations about like, do, do we show that kind of stuff or do we show real footage? Cause I have real footage of things. Um, and Cam came up with this cut paper thing and it ended up being this really cool way to, to show what happened to me. And, uh, that was all his, his creative brainchild. And so Cam just, I mean, it was amazing. He just ran with it. And, uh, the film ended up being 24 minutes, which is just kind of right at that film festival level, um, length. And, you know, it, it kind of documents the accident, but then also what I kind of decided to do was take that accident and kind of use it as a catalyst, um, which allowed me to not be a photographer. Not, not that I didn't like being a photographer, but I was kind of, I've done it for 25 years. Um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of what I was, did my whole life. And this gave me this opportunity to become this climber in the outdoor industry that I wanted to be. And, um, that film kind of shows that path. Right. Was it funny or odd to be a photographer and being filmed by this guy that you don't know anything oh, it's, about? It's in, yeah. Incredibly odd. But Cam is like, he's, if you, if you get to meet Cam, he's very like, he's super dry. His sense of humor is very dry, very intelligent guy. And so he made it really easy. Um, like even just stupid stuff that would happen, like he'd crash the drone and that made me feel like that made him very human to me. Like, cause I'm like, Oh, he screws up too. That's awesome. I did that once or twice. Yeah. I've dropped cameras and, and you see someone else because he's so creative and he's trying to get his art across to the masses. Um, it was great to see that he's also this human guy that makes mistakes just like I do. And, and, and he was just great to work with. And what was, what's the reaction been? It's been like, so that's what kind of blew. I, I just kind of thought, oh, we'll get in like one film festival. That'd be cool. Um, but it's gotten, it's been amazing. Like we've gotten in a really 
good selection of film festivals. Um, it's won a couple awards for, uh, for storyline and inspirational film and climbing film and things like that. And it's touring now with, um, three different festivals. It's in Banff, it's in mountain film and it's in, um, adventure film. So it's touring all around the world right now. It's over, uh, right now it's in China, um, and, uh, Europe and, and then here in the States as well. So it's been great. I get people, um, to reach out all the time and just, you know, the, like they're going through something or, or they're, or they have a family member who just got hurt or, you know, it's just little things. It doesn't matter. And, um, and then they always find our, our podcast is, is they'll, <laughs> they'll see my name, they'll right. see the film and then they go backwards. They start to, then they, they Google star, stalk you and they find it. It's easy right. to find obviously. So, um, it's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool package to see that be this catalyst for people just to learn more about, about what I do. So in the film, um, you talk about how it's at least half about your own climbing and your own sort of climbing goals. Right. Tell me about that. Tell me about <laughs> what it means to be, um, you know, climbing with a prosthetic. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I think you were still uh, like, Dude, we dealing didn't even, with it. Yeah, right? we, I had no idea what I was doing. I, right. Honestly, when we did our podcast first, the the climbing foot even was it was all so new to me right and it was like you know legs were falling off i mean it just wasn't working all the time because yeah wasn't your wasn't that one of the things that happened oh, to your was, buddy in yeah the, in the, his whole on, leg fell okay, off. yeah the, the leg falling off hung up in his sling yeah. and it was right. it was i mean i could have killed somebody and right. hurt him really bad so it was all so very very new um and now like with companies like evolve who came along and said well we want to like why don't we just like make a foot that's actually works that mm -hmm. would be kind of cool and they did and so we made this thing called the eaf which i can climb on anything on now and and my my climbing i mean it's like you're climbing you know it, it morphs and changes as as you grow older i think um you're doing things that are interesting to you and and so like i got more into sport climbing after probably after we talked um because i was trad climbing and wall climbing a lot then and a lot of it's because like Cindy likes to single pitch sport climb. She's crazy strong. And so she loves single pitch sport climbing. So I was like, oh, I kind of like this too. This is fun. Low commitment. You can go do it anywhere. It kind of works with traveling really well. So we can travel to these different Well, you had areas. a family too. We had a family. Yeah. Exactly. So, so two young kids at the time um, who weren't climbing. So single pitch sport climbing works out really great for a family. And so we just, we bent that way, I think. And so those goals then became the ones that I was going after. Like, okay, well, maybe not the hardest route I could climb, but like there was definitely some of that. And then, and that continues to be that, but just the, I kind of like the, the whole movement of, of sport climbing where you're just focusing on just like the pure actual move as, as, as opposed to me being scared out of my mind, trying to put a piece in doing whatever I'm doing. Um, sport climbing gives you that freedom of, Oh, I'm just going to go hard and fall and that's okay. And, and I, I really like that feeling, um, of kind of figuring out where those, where that all takes me. Um, and I like to do it with Cindy. And so she, what she'll do now is, um, she'll help me teach clinics. She didn't come to this one, but she'll come with me. And so we selfishly plan like, you know, five extra days. Right. So teach yeah. for three days then yeah. stay for five Perfect. And, and climb. Hey, exactly. Works out great. So what's a like hiking like for you? Uh, that, so I, <laughs> I just had a woman say to me, she cut her leg off and, um, she's like, I just want to be able to hike again. And Cindy goes, he doesn't hike. He hates, he can't hike. Like I can't hike really. I mean, I can carry a load for sure. Like I could carry a load to El Cap 
the base of El Cap to, like to the nose. Right. But like, if you make me go to Zodiac again, like I'd probably shoot you. Um, okay. it would just not be pretty. Um, so I can carry a load for like a short amount of time or like I can do an approach to like, we were just in Mexico and El Salto and those mm. approaches are pretty short and you know, but so I can carry a load. No, no worry. But if I have to walk like more than a half hour, my, my stump just gets all ground up and it's mm-hmm. like, it's just not a pleasant feeling. And right. then my other, my other ankle is all wonky. So it's like that ankle hurts. That, yeah. That, yeah. You, you shredded, shredded that, that too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that one just happened to heal, you know, quote unquote heal like better than the one that I cut off obviously. But it's like when I walk on uneven ground, especially talus, um, that ankle just hurts like a, mm-hmm. like a mother. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't seek long approaches anymore. Even like ice climbing, like I'll go to Ure. That, that's a good approach for me. But like, man, going up in the park and stuff, like in Rocky Mountain National Park, God, dude, I, I just, it just beats me up so bad. I pay for it the next day, which is right. kind of sucks. Do you, um, how, uh, do you have anything to put on skis? Um, I could ski, I could skin right. in, and, and Black Diamond has helped me with like, um, like different attachments that I could put like, like a, a boot attachment that would go into my prosthetic a lot quicker and easier. Um, so there's, there's ways to do it, but a lot of me just goes, nah, I don't really need to do it. Right. So like, why, right. why even put that energy there? Uh-huh. I don't have to. So. Right. Well, you know, I didn't, I don't know if I made the connection at the time, even though I knew about this guy, but I've since, uh, interviewed Hugh Her, oh, um, who's like the Genius. guru of, of, of this prosthetic technology. Um, ha- I mean, have you had any, any interaction with that guy? Or is so he, like, he out in the, dude, he is like, like the he's like the yeah. fucking stratosphere, right. like times 10. Yeah. He's like the rock star. He is so smart. And he, right when I was going to cut my leg off, he emailed me and I don't even know how, I actually don't even know how he found out friend of a friend, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey, you know, if you have any questions, um, just go ahead and, you know, fire them at me. And he's a really good emailer. He's he's really hard to talk to though because he's so smart. <laughs> oh my god! It's, oh, yeah. oh it's there. horrible. Yeah, in the room. you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. you're just like, oh god, this is going so badly. Right. Um, but when he's emailing, it's like, oh, he's, he's, this guy's awesome. Okay. Um, but he he said to me, and I will never forget this. He said, just go ahead and write off the whole first year because he's like, I somebody told me to do that, and I was like, nah, whatever. And he was doing pull ups on you know, hang boards and things. And so when he told me that, I thought, uh, that's cause he cut both his legs off. So I probably just need like three months, six but, months. Yeah. Half right. A year. You can do that. One, math, leg, whatever. Legs, one year. So half just year. divide by two. Right. Um, and I went back, uh, I was still a photographer and I was walking through the studio on crutches being a dumbass, and I tripped and I fell and I smashed my stump on the ground. God, I want to, I, I want to say you did talk about that. I might've talked yeah. about it. And that was like, I was like, oh, he is so much smarter than me and I should probably listen to everything he says. And so we've connected on and off over the right, years. Right. Um, he's, uh, light years ahead of everyone. Like with just like how, what a prosthetic can do. I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And he's climbing again too, I think. Yeah. He climbs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. he, he went through kind of your era, um, before he was inventing things of like, dealing just, with the pain and yep. just like working yep. through it and like to see the pictures of the things he was really building in his garage literally oh yeah you know oh and, yeah and uh the but, wedges yeah. and all these weird things yeah and, well and he had like yeah like crack climbing crack like foot yeah crack feet and then he got crap for it though which was really well, funny he, to me yeah he got crap for because he would extend them 
Yeah, he made himself taller. Yeah, he made himself like, yep. considerably yep. taller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For City Park, right? Yeah, think, something like something. that. But so, so, I mean, just in general, people were like, people um, got, people yeah. got, yeah. But he didn't care. He was like, oh no, yeah, oh, yeah. And so. my thing was like, yeah, he doesn't have legs. Like, oh right. shit, just, he can only be so critical at some right, point. Right. But yeah, he, yeah, that guy, that guy is an incredible genius. Well, I thought of him just now because you, you said something about this woman who just wanted to hike again. Yeah, and it seems like. You know, that level of technology actually could allow people um, that freedom if they could. Get, I'm not sure. Maybe not. But it's weird. It's like you would think like, OK, so if that woman I'm thinking of just, just got like that bionic ankle, that's what it's mm-hmm. called. You know, could she hike again? But then there's all, there's all these other weird mitigating factors. Right. Like, is there does she have like nerve pain? Does right. she have a good socket right. fit? All these things like that that aren't really tech based right. you know it's yeah. it's the human form being squeezed into this carbon fiber shell mm-hmm. um so i don't know like maybe she would do really well with something like that um but it's it's yeah i i don't know i mean he his his device is so groundbreaking i don't think we've even begun to scratch what it can actually do right that's that's what i think so in in the years since it when when did the accident happen uh the accident now. happened in 02 right. and then i amputated in 03 Okay, so it's been 15 solid years. Yeah, exactly. It's going on 16. So what's, how's the technology changed for you? Um, or are we, are we sort of at a plateau? I think we're at a plateau. Like the climbing technology changed a lot because of the, the evolve foot. Uh-huh. Um, that, that was a big jump forward for us. Um, and we're actually working on a downturned version of that foot. So like that'll help in kind of steeper climbing. But as far as like prosthetics go, I feel like they're kind of at this, They've been at the same point for like the past 10 years or so. Like Hugh's foot has been out for a while, mm-hmm. quite some time. Um, it's maybe more mass marketed now. Right. But like the the price points are coming down, so that helps it. But like that, and it, it doesn't, like I, I'm wearing the same foot and ankle that I've been wearing for, shoot, for 10 years, I think. Same foot. So they just don't change that much. I right. Mean, you can, and until somebody figures out something really groundbreaking again, I don't think, I don't think it's going to change that much right i don't think it can really well that's not hugh her would just he would probably punch me in the face yeah. right now but like i mean <laughs> no, yeah he, he wouldn't he would just quietly look at you yeah, and, and with his you know scare the shit out of me right and just be like, be like, oh, like, with his like you're such a sad little human you have such a small mind <laughs> right you have exactly no mind whatsoever <laughs> and he's right he's totally right god it's embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> good thing he's not here i know thank in god the band. Thank um god. being this uh this this coach this adaptive coach i i keep calling you that is that a good word for it i, don't or know. What, I, I was what, like how when you, you said that the first time i was like oh that's a weird i don't know if that's the right word i don't know what it i don't I have no idea because inspiration doesn't sound oh, right i hate because, that word too yeah because that's just more of like oh uh, you're you know up there giving talks and then leaving but you're actually you know yeah i'm just go I'm you're just, climbing with i'm these still guys a dirtbag climber yeah and right you're, like, and you're out filleting them and yeah getting them up my stuff van and all that stuff yeah next to the pee bottle and yeah, you know I mean? yeah it's oh not... really <laughs> i just wanted to scare you a little bit <laughs> um yeah i i don't i don't know that it's coaching i think it's more like just uh what the hell is it um come on what's on your business card i don't, I don't have a put inspiration card. i don't have a business card <laughs> say that's what i should do inspiration boom no phone number no nothing i'd be like mark twice no address right. nothing just don't, there don't even try to right contact don't me. contact me i'll, I'll get a hold when of you. you need inspiration i'll be there <laughs> it'll be like boom shazam 
Well, That's anyway, whatever. Now I lost my train of thought. Whatever it is, whatever the hell it is you do um, to help people learn how to deal with. I'm a with, helper. You're a helper. Okay. A, a helper. professional climbing helper. <laughs> I'm a helper. <laughs> um, yep. what the hell was I going to ask you now hold on a second okay <laughs> see it's not my fault I know it's not my fault we're not swearing nearly as much this time yeah although you have I did I know that's that's another part of the that's a podcast. whole yeah Craig didn't think he swore in the podcast and he actually I your money I didn't he accused me of of swearing too much and then um, I did an edit of it where I took all the swear words out and put them on a reel and gave yep. them to And it's to like Craig. 30 seconds. It's like of just quick little swear Cuss words. words. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Um, and then, well. And it, yeah. And, and then it, he sent it to me and it, I imported it into my iTunes, not thinking about that, that I shared that account with Maya and Will. And so then they would... That when they imported or when they download whatever, updated theirs, they got that, and right. so they would. We would literally be out hiking or walking to a crag somewhere, and they would just start giggling and be like, "Oh, you just jumped." Because the they got the because they got their get headphones the, the 30, in, they yeah, get they the thirty headphones. seconds exactly. of their dad, thirty right. seconds of their dad, and then we're the, talking like they were like middle school. Kids oh God, they were yeah <laughs> at best, and I was like, oh God, there's nothing prouder as a dad for your son to look at you and go aha you just said motherfucker okay so you just said it again See, this is explicit explicit um the reason i keep bringing this up is that i wanted to ask you 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 mentioned that you you give folks sort of a um glimpse into the intimate details when they kind of need it maybe or when it might be but might be helpful to them but you have raised a whole family um, you know, if it was, I mean, your kids are just about ones in college, ones about to enter college. So they were little, little yep. when it happened. Yep. And you, uh, I mean, they were both, yeah, two and four. Yeah. And so they've grown up with this guy. Um, and yeah. so, you know, here you are like, uh, you know, we don't want to use the word, but it's true. I mean, that the podcast you did for me was flat out inspiring. We can use it. I mean, you keep getting people talking to you. This film that you made is inspiring. So hmm. what, I mean, ha, have your kids had any perspective on you being different or you're just dad that that's, that's, that's my dad. This is my guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's the latter. I would think mm -hmm. uh, just because they don't know anything different. Right. They don't know me in any different form. Right. And so I'm just the, the dad who's the climber who does this thing and, um, and they're climbers. And so, yeah, but they, then as they became climbers, didn't they have some perspective on you as, as this figure? I don't, man, I don't, that's a, I mean, you said really, you're, I mean, my daughter, we can't it. talk, you we know, can't we can't talk names. out of turn about your kids too much because, but you know, well, we can't, no. your daughter's dating a climber or she was, did, she, she did. dated yeah, a climber, she did. She did. which and, and scared the hell out of you. It's terrifying. Yeah. And in, in, in all honesty, it could be any guy. Right. It'll probably still terrify me. Right. But that in particular, he was a climber, so he knew me. And right. so that's, you know, she's like, oh, he, you know, he's listened to the Enorma cast right. and he's like, <laughs> he's like, he'd love to meet you. And I'm like, you know, like I said to you, I was like, I have no, there's no need for me to talk with him. And there's not, not, no need, <laughs> nothing need, I'm not going to do it. But I, I think like, so they, I'm sure you they want to meet your uh, daughter's boyfriend. I mean, I met him. Okay, he's a great, cool. he's a very nice guy. Okay, I will say cool. That. All right, cool. Um, they're not even dating, but <laughs> okay. he's, he's a very nice guy. Okay. Um, 
Because he's I, listening to this one he now, too. He probably is. <laughs> um, he, so I feel like, I don't know, like, I wonder, I've thought about this. Like, I wonder if they just get sick of it where they're just like, oh, that's your dad. Like, that's so neat. And I wonder if they're just like, oh, God, like, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Right, um, right. I mean, I think that's how I would probably be mm-hmm. if, if my dad was a famous golfer or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if it's just, that's just what their dad does. Right. Well, let me ask you this. What do you hope that they learned from having you as a dad that might be specific to, to your situation that's different from other dads? I think the biggest thing, and I, and I would say this to anyone, is, is what I want them to take away from all of this is like bad stuff's going to happen. It's, you just, no one gets a free pass, you know? So is it going to be as bad as whatever happened to me? Maybe it could be worse. It could maybe not as bad, but like something is going to go wonky for you. And I hope that they looked at it and went, you know what? Even with all that bad crap, um, he was able to, to come back and kind of do what he loved to do. He actually made it into a career. Um, and him and my mom are still married. They're still happy. Um, our family didn't explode. And I want them to see the importance of that. The importance of that, that I've always thought that my family was the most important thing. Um, and that kind of guided my path through all of this anyway. So I hope they see that and go, okay, he, that, that's what they did right. Was even though they, they had all this adversity thrown at them um, and it got really dark for a long time, they were still... Um, a team. Um, and they, they made sure that we knew that we were all in this together and just, we were going to figure it out together mm-hmm. and go forward. So that, that adversity ended up making us actually a lot strong. And that sounds really cliche, I know, but it does end up making you a lot stronger person and a strong, and a stronger family. I think, I mean, cause if, if you know, like, Oh God, man, this isn't as bad as when my dad fell off a cliff, you know, right. it's like you, you realize like, Oh, this, this stuff that we're dealing with right now, is not that bad. It's, it's, we can deal with that. Do you think as kids, you know, once they weren't just two and four, but, you know, got older and more autonomous, do you think they had a glimpse into how hard it was for you? Or were you I, able to like keep that? I mean, I, I just think about like my parents and, and you have this image of the way you thought it was. And then, or a lot of people's parents. Yeah, and then you, yeah, as yeah. an adult, you, you find out that it wasn't yep. that way. I Your mean, bubbles popped. It, I mean, a little bit. I mean, you know, we're so, our parents are so idealized in a lot of ways, even, even terrible parents, their kids oh, yeah. like are fully idealize them. So do you think they had a glimpse of it or? I think that as they got older, like I would say like late teens, we would talk about stuff and they would okay. see me when I was, when I was really hurting. Um, right. and they, they saw the difference, like, okay, one day he's like this, but then this other day, holy crap, he's like not, not doing so good. And so they would see like the differences in the way I would do things. And then they also, I think like Will in particular would ask questions like, Hey, what's it like when you feel like this particular, like, what does that feel like? And and I would tell him honestly what it felt like. Maya, Maya has always wanted to. And you like, could use swear words because he was, used I to could it. swear. Exactly. <laughs> they have it on their iPod. Um, thanks to you. Uh, he, uh, Maya, Maya has always been a really like, she likes to, she wants to know what you're thinking and feeling. And, and as she's gotten older, uh, so we've had really good conversations about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, w- you know, when shit's not good, it's not 
I, I'm honest about it. I don't try to hide it anymore. When they were younger, I did, you know, I didn't want them to see me in, you know, lots of different positions of pain or, or whatever. I, I tried to hide that more, but now, um, you know, as they've gotten older and mature and like you said, like kind of on their own, you, the, I think the value of honesty is good. I, I don't, I can't ever undersell that to them. See, and that was like somebody who somebody just said to me legacy. They said, what would, what they were asking about legacy and like, what would your legacy be to your kids? I had never thought of that before. Um, and then I started really it, it seemed over. like you're about to die. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so it's not and, cool. <laughs> and you're kind of like, Oh, that's scary. Right. Um, but like, you know, cause we, like you and I have talked about, you know, friends who have died and you, you try to get your head around like, what is that like? Like, like if you die, like, what are you, what are they going to remember? I guess. Mm -hmm. And I've, and I feel like when I was watching some of the interview stuff from the kids, when uh, we made the film with cam and, um, the things they said were really like pretty deep and like thoughtful. And I was, and I thought, Oh, you know, then maybe we just by sheer luck did something right where they're the legacy is that they look at it. Uh, they look at this set of circumstances and go, okay, those circumstances probably should have defined him in some form and, and they do, but, uh, day to day, it doesn't define him. You know, the accident was this thing that happened and then he moved on from it. And, and that's what I've always wanted them to understand. Like that, that the act, I, I work with a lot of people where that traumatic event is what defines them. Mm -hmm. And that that's a really, um, that's a really hard place to be, I think. And whereas I always wanted it to just be this thing that happened and it was horrific, but then I was able to kind of move past it. I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to stay in that negative spot all the time. You know, you don't want the worst part of your life to define who you are. You want that to be a constantly moving target. Um, and I think that's what our kids have, I think they've really understood that and grasped it um, more than I could probably ever teach it because mm -hmm. we just, that's just how we live our life. We just kind of try to move forward all the time. Um, and I think I see that in them too, like where they get, where they get racked around a little bit, um, you know, with whatever school stress, all that stuff. Um, I watch them navigate that and I'm, I hope they, they go, yeah, you know, my parents navigated this really hard thing. I, this, I'll, I'll get through this too. It's, it's fine. It's, it's a phase and that's mm -hmm. the accident was a phase of my life. It's a big phase, but it's just one you right. know, in line of many. Right. Hopefully. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting because you, you know, it's, it's sort of a, it has to be sort of a balance because, you know, you can't deny the fact that people are going to be interested in this thing. Right. You know, you're in the climbing dream and you've got shorts on. Correct. Like nobody's not noticing that there's this cat over there with a prosthetic who's exactly. cranking, you know? And when I met Hugh, you know, he, he's got trousers on and very distinctly rolled up. Right. And, so you can see it. And he, and, and it was clear to me after talking to him that that was part of the deal of like, you know, let's just check this out. Let's just get this out of the way. But nevertheless, you know, it's, it is sort of defining you in that sense. Do you ever feel that? I mean, oh, you must feel it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And, and I think early on I was like, I, I, I distinctly remember thinking, okay, so I can, I can hide this. I can try to hide it mm -hmm. or I can just own it because it is what it is. I'm not going to, I can't change it now. Right. I, mean, I can't like grow the leg back. 
So I figured, okay, I'm just going to own it. Um, I'm going to wear shorts because it's more comfortable for me um, with switching legs. And because of my spinal cord injury, I can't feel temperature in my other leg anyway. And I can't feel, uh, I can't feel that foot anyway. So it's like, what, what am I wearing pants for? Like, I'm not, I'm, I really don't have to protect it. I can't feel it anyway. So <laughs> I was like, screw maybe it. Maybe that's a good reason to uh, protect I mean, it. Maybe, yeah. yeah, probably. Anyway. A smarter person would. But I just figured, <laughs> right. you know what? I'm just going to own it. I'm right, not, right. not going to put coverings on my leg. I'm not going to, I'm just going to let the carbon fiber and the metal be there. And that's what I, I have a, I have a fake leg. And right. at one point I said to our, uh, I think I said to Maya, I would show up to pick them up from school, you know, and I would come from climbing. So I would be dirty. You know, I'd have chalk all over me, dirt, and I'd be wearing shorts with this leg thing. And, and I would be looking at the other dads and they would come from their offices and, you know, they're in slacks and nice shirts or ties. Or and you'd feel sorry for oh, them. Oh, I, I felt like a dirtbag. <laughs> oh, really? I was like, oh God, I look terrible. This is terrible. And so one day I just felt kind of self-conscious and I said to her, I was like, do you want me to stop at home and change? And she was like, oh, no. And she said what That's you said. Cool. Yeah. She was like, that she's like most of those guys hate their lives like, right that's the way i always doing. see those guys and i'm I like oh i feel sorry yeah, for i know you, i know and that's how i think <laughs> i look at them and i go oh god dude cubicle that's, that's terrible horrible. I'm a, uh, terrible but i know defining these people they probably have wonderful lives but my, my point i guess getting back to it is yeah it's like i think it would be very difficult um for someone with with severe injuries both legs wheelchairs all those things to you know, it, it's not even move on from it. It's sort of like come to peace yeah. with the fact that that is noticeable. That's something, you know. And it's you. And it's like you. Like you can't, right. you're still that person. Right. You know, that leg is me. Right. It's just a, a different version of me. But like, so me hiding, that would be like you hiding, you know, I don't know. Like that, that'd be like you saying, I'll wear hats because no one knows. I d doesn't know. I, I don't have hair. Right. Like that's a part of you. That's a part right, of your right, right. persona. Um, so yeah. Like, why would you, how, why would you hide that? Right. right. Like you, you have a, a, a nice head. So Thanks. that's fine. It's good. Yeah. Um, why would you, you know what right. I mean? Like it's a, it's who you are. Yeah. But so. I'm just saying like, I think in the beginning and people, it's probably a very big, big, big leap to, to again, come to terms with it i guess is the way yeah. the way it sounds of like not defining you but still being you know this somewhat of a focal point at least when people first meet you yep and, and so it'd stare. be really difficult to get out yeah it'd be yeah, difficult they stare and yeah. people i always joke like i know what girls with big boobs feel like because you know people like their eyes drift down sure. and then they pop back up and yeah. it's like dude i saw you do it like right just don't like just look if you want to look just look like little kids are great they they come up and they kick it and they, you know what I mean? They want <laughs> yeah, they don't get, they yeah. no pretense. Yeah, they're, they're not, just like, not, yeah, not, this not. thing they're is like weird. Like if Miles sees this it, like This guy's an would, android. Right, yeah. yeah, this guy's part robot. So yeah. like, that, that's a wonderful Which is super way. cool. It is super, it's like, that's rad, right? So it's like, I wish people would just deal with it. Because right. like, you're already self-conscious mm -hmm. when it's new. Like the first time I saw myself without my leg and all the scars on my back and all that stuff. You, it's like, oh my God, that's horrible. But then you realize, okay, that's, that's me. That's what I got. And so I'm going to just own that. Um, but then you go out and, you know, you're, you're going into Kmart. Somebody's like staring at your, your leg and they're just like not hiding it at all. Or you have a, you know, kid point at you or whatever. Um, and that can, that can mess with your sense of reality. And, uh, you have to get comfortable with that. Right. And you have to get to that point where it, it, it's unfortunate to have to say it, but it's like, you get to that point where you're like, I don't care. Right. I don't care what you think. Like, it's, right. I'm not here to make you feel 
happier about this. I'm just, this is me. Sure. So. Yeah. But, and then it's probably exacerbated by the fact that other people are uncomfortable and you oh, can yeah. tell. Oh yeah. And, and maybe they're overcompensating for not. Right. Yeah. So, and someone said to me once, you know, the, the reason they feel uncomfortable is because they realize that could be me. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you don't look at a person and go, Oh, that would never happen to me. Oh right. God, that could happen to anyone right. within in a split second. And that's a, it's almost like a reality check. Like, Oh God, that could actually happen mm-hmm. to me. I could be in a wheelchair. I could be like Quinn or I could be like Craig and miss my leg and not, and have a fused back and neck and all this weird crap. Um, it, it's random, weird stuff. You know, I met a guy today at this clinic. He fell eight feet off a ladder, eight feet. I fell a hundred feet. Right. He's completely paralyzed, complete right. paraplegic. Yeah. So like, how has that, how is that even fair? Like that's, it's so random and so weird. Um, and people see it and go, Oh my God, that could be me. In a heartbeat, man. Yeah, it's it's wild. Do you you're talking about uh, working with people in climbing? Um, does it go beyond that? Do you, does the scope of kind of your your adaptive message, clinicking, whatever, uh, or have you ever thought about sort of going beyond just climbing? Um, I'll go. I'll do like I'll. Sp- do speaking gigs right. um, where I'll go and speak to non-climbing communities um, mm-hmm. because the the message there is the same. It just right. comes in a different package. But I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm qualified to, to talk in any other zone right. really. Like I mean, you don't want me teaching like your kindergarten class, that's for sure. Um, I mean, you swear too. I much. swear too much. <laughs> um, but like <laughs> you know, it's just, I I feel like climbing is my group of people. Like they're the ones I get and know, and they get me. Right. And um, very welcoming tribe and like i'm watching i see now like this year in particular like even festivals are starting to embrace it like hey how do we be how can we be more inclusive like how can we get wheelchair folks here how can we have people with limb loss you know as part of our festival um and that's i'm working up in lander this summer uh at the international climbers festival because that's what they want to do and so I, i dig that like i think that's my zone um when i get out of that zone i'm probably not as effective i don't think I don't think I would be because mm-hmm. even when I speak, like if I speak at a business, they like the story. They right. love the idea of the accident happening and like, Oh God, he overcame and came back. And that's, that's what they'll use. But like, that's not, I mean, that's not the whole story. So, right. you know, they, they, that's the piece they want. And I understand that. And, right. and again, that's part of owning it and saying, yeah, okay, that's cool. That's fine. That's what we'll talk about. But when I get in climbing, climbers want to know more like, okay, what about, you know, how did you, how did you deal with fear of falling again? How did you deal with right. the depression of climbing, of not being able to climb, um, of like hurting? How do you deal with that? You know, that's what they want to know about. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my sweet spot. So, yeah. But I, the reason I asked that is that we haven't talked about climbing very much in this podcast. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just think about it. Think about like what it would take to give you the skills to talk beyond that. Because you've got this, you've got raising a family as an experience. You've yeah. got, you know, um, and, and then just the general thing, like we were just talking about, about, about being a public figure around this thing, but not defined by it. There's some message in there. It seems like that, that could be really helpful if you've, if you really fleshed it out, um, I don't know. I'm just like yeah, riffing, well, listening well, to you. And maybe one of your you know big corporate mean? sponsors will contact me now. I'm right. Yeah. But they're climbing sponsors. Damn it. I know. If I had a good, like if Toyota was sponsoring me, 
Uh, we wouldn't maybe be here this in this van, one. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be in a Ford van. <laughs> exactly. But if maybe Ford. Yeah, I'm Ford. Just yeah. So anyway, I, it's just me me ripping here at the end because, uh, you know, like so the first time we got together was a lot about the climbing. It was accident. climbing. But yeah. this time we haven't talked about climbing that much. There's, there's a lot to be learned. Then the enormous maybe is beyond that. Yeah. Reaching out to. No, I'm the same way. It's like <laughs> people are like, you should do like get a mountain bike around there. I'm like, I don't know what to talk to yeah, about. They pedal. About this is a, yeah, it's like you pedal harder, you go faster. Yeah, exactly. What is there? Exactly. Uh, you go up the hill, yeah, you go down the yeah. hill. But anyway, um, I don't know. Just, just, just sort of riffing. But um, yeah, so you know, we just pulled off another one. Uh, seven years in the making. Seven years in the making. We'll see you in 2026. Yep. Um, I'll be 100 and something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. <laughs> Even more creaky we both will be. <laughs> exactly. um, I won't be able to hike up the talus either at that point. Um, so uh, what's going on this summer? Tell me about the clinics, the festivals, the movie, and the whole thing. And then we'll get you. Um, you are home. I am home. We'll let you drive your home to wherever it's going to be. I'm going to roll my home the, to a parking spot. Right. Um, the uh, glamorous life of, oh, a, of an adaptive. Incredibly glamorous. Maybe inspiration. That's how, <laughs> that's how inspirations live, is they live in their in van, van in parking lot. <laughs> exactly. In Aspen, in Aspen Colorado. Exactly. Um, and, and, they, and they can see this Those are van. the perks of the inspiration. Incredible. Um, they can see the van live in person this summer. It'll be amazing. Yeah, up um, in Lander, right? Up in Lander. I'll be in Lander at that International Climbers Fest. And then the film will tour all summer. It'll be in Banff. It'll be in Mountain Film. And it'll be an adventure film. But even if you don't go to a festival, which I would tell you to go because they're really fun. But if you don't, you can see it on. They can go to Amazon. They can watch it there. Or they can get it on iTunes. Cool. And then they'll see me. I'm, me and Cindy are all over the place. So we're in the West a bunch, um, a little bit in the uh, out East, I think, in um, the later summer. Um, so when you're at a crag, do you see a one-legged guy? Pretty good chance. Maybe me. All right. Hopefully. Yeah. The sun glinting off of it. The sun glinting off my <laughs> my polished leg. <laughs> Come up and say hi. That says I'm not an inspiration. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Do you want to see my van? <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me to your van, Craig. Thank you, dude. And thanks for coming back on the show. Love it. Love it. Thank you. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Craig for showing up in downtown Carbondale and getting that one done. Hopefully you can check him out up in Lander if you go to the festival this summer. There's a chance I'll be up there as well. And, of course, please go have a look at his film, Craig's Reaction. I think those guys, him and Bear Cam, did a special bit of work there. Okay, folks, spring climbing season here in the North American zone is starting to get into full swing, at least down here in Colorado, so... I know you guys are dusting off those habits that maybe you hung up for skiing over the winter. So please, as you're getting back into it, be careful, be awake, pay attention, extra review on all those systems. Check the knot. God damn. I just saw a big debate again about the bowling versus the figure eight versus whatever. doesn't matter if you double check. Both of those things will stay tight if you double check that it's done right every single time.
Did you ever think that maybe there's more to life than being really, really, really ridiculously good looking? I mean, maybe we should be doing something more meaningful with our lives. Like helping people. Uh, Derek, what people? I don't know. People who need help.